Welcome to the IBS Intelligent Podcast. I'm Sunova Kolostiak. The recurring payments industry is evolving, accelerated by both the pandemic and cloud adoption, and the subscription model has really been soaring in this period. So here to discuss this today is Duncan Barrigan, the Chief Product Officer of Recurring Payments Fintech, Go Cardless. Duncan, thank you very much for joining today. For those who don't know Go Cardless very well, do you want to start with explaining who you are and what you do? Of course. Thanks very much for having me on the on the podcast. So Go Cardless, our mission is to take the pain out of getting paid. And we focus on the world of recurring payments, which is any situation where you've got an ongoing relationship between a business or an organization and their customer. So we're building the world's first global network designed from the ground up for those recurring payment situations. And we help businesses and organizations from more than 30 countries around the world to collect payments from customers across uh, North America, Europe and Australasia. Now, the payments landscape has seen quite a dramatic shift in the past months. Where does recurring payments sit within this shift? I think it's it's been a similar story across payments. So it's really accelerated trends that were already happening beforehand. And if you think, you know, from a GoCardless perspective about recurring payments, it's been clear to us for a long time that the world is is shifting to a recurring payments world. You see this in everything from, you know, the demise of Blockbuster and the rise of Netflix through to car subscription clubs. This is a trend that is really uh, emerging over the years. And I think like a lot of things, what you've seen from lockdowns and the COVID and 2020 and all the things that it's brought is an acceleration of that. In particular, I think you've seen an older generation be introduced to things that the younger generations were already aware of. You know, you've seen people who are in lockdown, trapped at home, suddenly thinking, okay, well, you know, I can no longer do that in person the way I used to. I'm going to do it online. And that led a really big shift for some of the digital first services firms that we work with, software as a service of of all time. I think at the same time that you have seen, obviously there are some parts of the recurring payment world that have had a total opposite experience. You know, gyms have really struggled. It's temporary. You know, the gyms are going to reopen. People are going to go back to them, you know, Gout groups are going to reopen and people are going to go back to them. And to be honest, even in the meantime, a lot of people have been subscribing to online platforms that give fitness videos instead. But yeah, it's, it's sort of been a tale of two worlds in recurring payments, I think, with some of the more traditional in-person ones really suffering from the lockdown temporarily. But above all else, I think it has seen a real shift and an acceleration of that, in particular from a broader part of the population being introduced to these services that were, you know, sort of early mainstream becoming late mainstream. So this shift and increasing demand, how has it been of benefit to go cardless? I, I think it's been a huge benefit in terms of the new business that we've won. GoCardless has been having absolutely record growth in new businesses. And I think that's come for a couple of different reasons. So one of them is that it's really exposed some of the issues that GoCardless helps businesses to cope with. So cash flow is something that has been central to business survival for so long is one of the number one reasons why small businesses in particular go out of business. And 2020 has really thrown that in the spotlight. So I think it surfaced the pains that are solved by payments. One of, one of my big things in that world is that I see far too many people talking about cash flow as though the problem is something you solve with, you know, lending and finance. And it, it, it drives me mad, to be honest, because I think of it as like, you know, trying to fix a leaky roof by just sticking a bucket underneath it. You know, you're not actually solving the root cause of the problems. Where really the problem with cash flow is that people aren't getting paid on time. 
it's an automated payments problem. You need to stop waiting for people to pay you and start pulling the money directly from their bank accounts, which is how we do it at GoCardless. So I, I think you've seen these issues come to the fore in a way that's making even more businesses than ever really interested in, in actually tackling them. And it sort of highlighted the way that payments can really transform a business because they can have much more impact on the business than you might think. So I think that, you know, that's been a really big part of it and a really big part of why we've seen such a big shift. I think for for us specifically, we've also, because earlier this year, we launched our Success Plus product that is all about tackling bad debt and tackling churn. Uh, And those are things that have written to the floor as well. So we can talk more about that later. But I think that's something that's really sort of chimed with the times. Uh, but it, it's been really interesting to see the ways that businesses have approached it. I'll give you one example because we, we talked about gyms earlier. Now, obviously, for most gyms, it's been a tough period. They haven't been able to have their members at various times of the year in various countries in the world. They haven't been able to have their, their members come in. But we've actually seen a whole range of gyms think this is the perfect time to review how we do payments. Normally, it's a bit too much. It's too disruptive. We're worried about the capacity we have to work on things as a business. We're worried about sort of unsettling customers with changes. And we've had some fascinating conversations where they say, you know what, now's the time to get our payments right. You know, with everything else that's going on, we can take our gym chain to the next level and really get the payments right. You can see how even in some of the tougher situations, there's actually been real opportunity. But yeah, as I said, overall, I think it's been that shift to online and that shift to recurring has really helped. And the centrality of some of the challenges like cash flow that businesses have been facing have, have really helped us. And that's sort of what we attribute, the fact that we've had absolutely record new business in, in 2020. We think a lot of it's about those two trends. Now, if you go back to the outset of the pandemic, how were your products set up to support both GoCardless and also your own customers? Yeah, I think the starting point for this is to come back to that idea I mentioned earlier about the fact that payments can have a huge impact on how a business operates. I tend to talk about payments as high leverage because the impact of collecting payments well on your churn is so much more significant than the fees you will ever pay for your payments. You know, you might pay anywhere between half a percent, two, three, four, five percent for your payments, but your churn can be losing you 20, 30, 40 percent of your business every year that you're trying to replace. And we often see around 40 percent of churn is due to payment failures. So, you know, you take that one example, you can see the leverage because if you can reduce that churn, you can have far more impact on your business than paying 1% for your payments, right? So I think the heart of it is, okay, you can actually have a meaningful advantage as a business by doing payments really well. Payments is a competitive advantage when you use the right providers. So I think when you follow that through, I think what we've seen is that, especially in areas like payments, we're actually able to change the sort of survival of businesses even. You know, we hear from our customers, there are businesses, you know, swim schools and things like that that only exist, they say, they tell us, because because it's easier to collect the payment. They're on the verge of giving up on the whole thing. It's just too painful to get paid. And then once the pain's removed, they can focus on what they do best. Uh, They can focus on providing their swimming lessons. So I think the impact on the customers can be quite profound. And as I mentioned, I think probably the number one in the small business world that we've seen is about sort of that crisis of late payments that's been particularly acute in 2020 as all sorts of organizations have had struggles. So the, the way to think about that really is that most people are sat there waiting for their customers to pay them. And it's painful for the customers to actually 
sends the payment, and especially in the B2B world, you're sending an invoice, you're expecting someone to send you a bank transfer. I'm a huge advocate of all kinds of automated payments, because what that means is that it steps you from waiting to get paid to just being paid automatically. And, you know, we see 15 days off the average time from invoice to payment, the average DSO, you, you see these sorts of huge shifts once you switch to automated payments. So, so yeah, it can genuinely be really transformative for businesses. Another thing I'd like to uh, talk about is how you were quite public about how COVID affected Go Cardless. So how is that going now? And how is, I guess, how would you say the pandemic has affected FinTech? Yeah, so we were, as you say, we were very public about the early impact of COVID on Go Cardless. And, you know, Hiroki, our founder CEO, published a blog post about it. I think early on, we definitely found that there was a lot of challenge and a lot of uncertainty from things like the fact that gyms and scout groups and, and people whose payments we were collecting just um, prevented from continuing with their business. But, you know, as I touched on earlier in terms of the shift in the payments landscape, we've actually been really, really pleasantly surprised at the strength of the business and we're, you know, we're growing faster than ever and seeing those new customers in particular come in faster than ever. So I think we've kind of been through that transition of a lot of uncertainty, then actually turning out to be sort of much better than maybe we, we first feared. And I think that's kind of been the case for FinTech as a whole, for the most part, you know, everyone's been a little bit different, obviously, and some people have certainly struggled. But I think the sort of the early apocalyptic signs that were coming from all sorts of, uh, you know, everything from entrepreneurs to venture capitalists in the wider tech sector, thinking that this was going to be sort of a disaster for technology. It obviously really hasn't turned out that way. And I think that speaks volumes for the maturity of the tech sector and for the ability of technology companies to adapt to new circumstances. You know, you, you look at things like the coronavirus loan schemes that have emerged in various countries and how quickly fintech lending companies have jumped into that space and been able to provide that. I think what you're sort of seeing is the adaptability of the sector. And, you know, obviously some people and some businesses were just caught in the, you know, in the crosshairs of what was happening. But I think as a whole, it really does showcase sort of the, the scale that people are reaching, but also the agility they've been able to keep at that scale and therefore the part they've been able to play in some of the challenges that have emerged for small businesses in particular. Related to this, we are, of course, um, in the middle of a rollout of the vaccine against COVID. Do you think that could, in some ways, I guess, slow down the rapid developments that we've seen over the past almost a year now? It's a really interesting question. I'm, I, I think about this sometimes in the context of the remote working in particular, where, you know, personally, I don't think we're going to stay where we are now at all. I don't think we're also going to shift sort of all the way back to where we were before. And I think that's probably going to be the case in payments terms. So I think there's no way that all the people that have got used to ordering groceries online for the first time are going to completely forget about it and not do it again, if you see what I mean. So I think it will always, it will be like a discontinuity on the charts that people look at in terms of different types of payment adoption. An online business in particular, I think it's always going to have that. I think you'll lose some of the edge of it because people will go back to doing something that they like in person. And probably the only question for me, the adoption of all these things is going to keep rising. Is there going to be a little bit of a dip when people go back or is it now growing so fast that it won't even matter that some of that shifts back but yeah i think really what it's driven it's driven people to experience new things and once they've experienced those new things the new things are better than what they did before 
And I don't think you're going to see, you know, people who've got used to making digital payments go back to writing checks. So I think they've now realized that the digital payment is far more convenient for them and for the person they're paying than the check is. You see I mean? so, so I think of it more as sort of people, are, you know, people have tasted the new thing for the first time and I think they like the taste of it and it's going to continue to grow. Looking more specifically at your products, you launched Success Plus last year, a payments intelligence tool. So how can machine learning be applied to late payments and how can this help solve the issues around it? Yeah, I think the way we think about this is that late payments and bad debt are the end of a journey, not the beginning. You start with the fact that you are owed money by someone for something that you've done. And, you know, that goes through the period of, okay, you're trying to collect it. Uh, you don't successfully collect it. You try and retry the payment. You know, you then try and pull in a debt collector or something. And eventually it, it's a journey, right? And it ends in bad debt. So our approach to this is to believe that fundamentally you have to tackle that problem earlier rather than later. By the time you've phoned a debt collector about that money that you're owed, like the, the problem occurred long before that. So our approach is, as I said, to sort of move up into the payment collection part of it. And in terms of how we do that, we, we sort of think of it as a one, two, three, where number one is to look at the things that people do to make sure they get paid. And, you know, you talk to businesses of all sizes, they will try things like retrying payments if they fail. They will try things like splitting payments into installments if the amount is too large. They'll have a set of tools that they will use, asking the payer when they want to make the payment. And we think of it as step one all about automating the things that people will do to try and avoid late payments, you know, automate those payment retries. Step two is about allowing them to configure it. Everyone's business is a bit different. Some people will be willing to wait up to a month to get it back if that makes it more successful. Other people will say, no, I really need it within the next two weeks and, you know, I'll, I'll take the trade-off. You go step one with the automation, step two with the configuration. And then machine learning is really the third step where you say, okay, well, you've already got this baseline of the automation of the things that can tackle bad debt and late payments uh, you've got the customizability to make it work and then machine learning is sort of it's the incredibly powerful cherry on top of that tree but it doesn't work without the rest you know what we see is that a lot of the benefit comes from the first two phases allowing people to take the heart of what we've been doing allowing people to automate the retrying of their payments allowing them to configure that in a way that works for their business uh, and then adding nearly 10 years of payments, millions and millions of payments and bank account information that we've seen. And what that does is allows us to get to some pretty amazing outcomes. So we've had thousands of merchants use Success Plus and what we see is up to 70, 80% reduction in the failed payments that they see, even in very large businesses that have quite sophisticated ways of looking at this already. That combination of the one, two, three punch and that combination of the machine learning added to the automation and the configuration can have a really, really significant impact on reducing bill payments. Lastly, looking ahead, what does the road look like for GoCardless in 2021 and beyond? I think for GoCardless, we've never thought of ourselves as a direct debit company, but a lot of the market have thought of us as direct debit. It's sort of the thing that jumps into people's minds, right? but it's, it's never been our viewpoint. We see ourselves as, as taking the pain out of getting paid and really building the best way to collect payments. Now, I think the future is really going to be everyone realizing what we've always seen thinking ourselves, if you said, I mean, it's really going to be the world realizing how GoCardless thinks about itself. The Success Plus is the start of an area that we call payment intelligence, which is all about how you can use 
data, machine learning, configuration, automation, in order to, to sort of capture some of that value I mentioned, some of that leverage that you can get from payments. So Success Plus is just the start of payment intelligence for us. And, you know, the world will see more of that, how we can use payment intelligence to tackle problems like fraud. Uh, the other side that I think is going to be really big is that we are huge believers in the long-term impact of open banking. Now, I say it, sort of open banking with a small O and a small B as in the generic global term for banking APIs rather than the, the UK world. I always think the UK has kind of gone a bit like the Hoover or something like that, you know, where you, you're not sure whether you mean a Hoover made by Hoover or whether you mean, you know, a vacuum cleaner. So, so I use it, in, you know, like a vacuum cleaner, I suppose. We're huge believers in the power of open banking, both from the data side, which as you can imagine is tremendously important for that payment intelligence, but also from the payment initiation. So, you know, we're really excited about the ability to combine banking API immediate payment with the world of bank debit, of direct debit, in order to provide an even better experience for merchants. So you can imagine that we're profound believers that the rest of the world is going to realize what we always intended. We'll stop thinking of GoCardless as a direct debit company and really start to think of us as the bank-to-bank payments network you know, that we've always seen ourselves as. So I think they're the two big bits that the world will see. It's all about payment intelligence and, and then all about stepping beyond direct debit into the the broader world of bank-to-bank payments and that network and the combinations of open banking and direct debit.